It is 2023. Doesn't that just sound weird? Stephanie was talking to me last night about all of the milestones that are coming up in our family this year, and I thought, wow, this is just kind of weird. Nason is supposed to start kindergarten in August. Can you guys believe that? Some of you that know little four-year-old Nason, he seems like the baby of the family, but he's not. Mally Grace will be moving up to youth group. Woo! You ready for that, Coy? All right, good. Man, it, it's just going to be weird. I'm going to hit 35 this year. I'm still going to be the baby pastor, though, for some of you. I mean, the, the question I get more than anything else is like, when, when people don't know me and they come to First Baptist, you're the pastor here. Yeah. Like, the senior pastor. Yeah. I, I know. I'm sorry. I can't help how old I am. It's just how it is. Maybe I'll grow up a little bit more this year. I do know that I'm going to be more awake than those of you who stayed up last night into the wee hours of the morning because I kind of cheated in the new year. I fell asleep around 9.30 and woke up about 11 and then watched till midnight, told Steph Happy New Year and went back to sleep. I'm hitting 35. I'm going to get old one of these days. Some people celebrated the new year last night with a party. Some people celebrated it with a kiss. Some people celebrated it with fireworks. Man, confetti cannons exploded. There was over a ton, literally a ton of confetti in Times Square in New York City. Kazoos sounded. Aren't those things annoying? Nothing says Happy New Year like a right in your ear. And people even sang the famous Auld Lang Syne. People celebrate the new year in different ways, but one big reason that people celebrate the new year is that it marks a fresh beginning, a prospect of change. Kind of like Bryson talked about with the kids on that whiteboard earlier. Isn't it nice to just open up your calendar and it be blank? Some of you have already filled it up probably. It's nice to have a fresh start, a clean slate. Some people will begin new diets, exercise routines, Bible reading plans, financial savings goals and strategies, projects at work and at home. Some of these beginnings will be nothing more than a beginning. You'll start and you won't continue. Some of these beginnings may actually never begin. And some of these beginnings may begin to make a big difference in your life over this next year, years down the road. I want to share with you a spiritual truth this morning that I hope you will begin 2023 with. It all begins with Jesus. It all begins with Jesus. This morning we're going to begin where John began his gospel, the beginning. That's the title of this message today. If you have a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to turn to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. As I share with you this sermon, the beginning. John chapter 1, 
verses 1 through 5. If you don't have a copy of the Bible with you this morning, the verses will be on the screen behind me so that you can follow along. I do want to ask you to do something with me this morning. Would you stand in honor of the reading of God's Word? I know it's hard to thumb through pages and stand at the same time, so I'll give you a little bit of grace and an extra moment there. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Father God, would you bless the study of your word this morning and speak to the hearts of your people. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. In these five verses, the Apostle John delves into some deep doctrine about the person and the power of Jesus. These theological truths were not just written so that you could accumulate more head knowledge. Just know more stuff about Jesus. These things were written so that you would have a genuine belief in your heart that affects how you live your life. And this belief is to be centered upon Jesus Christ. John stated that the purpose of everything he wrote down in his gospel account was so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. John chapter 20, verse 31. That's the purpose verse of this entire book in the Bible. The truths that John wrote about at the beginning of his gospel account help us realize that it all begins with Jesus. It all begins with Jesus. Let's take a look at the person of Jesus that John presents in verses 1 through 3 to find out why and how it all begins with him. I want you to note this first truth about the person of Jesus in verse 1. Jesus is divine. Jesus is divine. The opening phrase, in the beginning, should call back to mind the opening verse of the entire Bible for serious students of the Old Testament. Some of you will remember how the Bible begins in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John wanted those who read his gospel to instantaneously make the connection between what he was writing and what God had revealed long ago. In the beginning, God. The Apostle John knew that many of the people who would read his words would have also read and known Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. And Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 is a foundational statement of faith. You could render Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 this way. To begin with, God made it all. Or to start with, God is the creator of everything. The inference is that if you don't believe that basic statement, 
then you're probably not going to believe or understand much else that follows in the pages of Scripture. John was doing the same thing that Moses did, who authored Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He was starting with a foundational statement of faith. John stated plainly and profoundly that Jesus is God. He is divine. John uses the title, the word for Jesus here in verse 1. He would use this same title later on in verse 14. And that's how we know that John is speaking about Jesus being God and not something or someone else. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So what did John mean and intend in saying that Jesus is the Word? Perhaps you've heard or used the expression, a man is only as good as his word. That expression means that what a man says is what a man is. If he tells a lie, then he is a good. If he tells the truth, then he is honest. What he says is what he is. Jesus is the Word of God, which means that everything God says Jesus is. To put it another way, if you want to know and understand God, then you must know and understand Jesus. Because that is how God has spoken to humanity to show us who He is. If God could sum up everything about His character, His nature, His will, and His ways into one word, that word would be Jesus. The person of Jesus. The living manifestation of the invisible God. If you want to know who God is, then you must begin with Jesus. You cannot and you will not truly come to know God until and unless you come to know Jesus. You come to know someone by listening to the words that they speak. Some of you caught up with family that you haven't seen in a while over the holidays. How did you learn about that person? You listened to what they said. In the same way, we can only come to know God if we listen to Him. And He has spoken chiefly in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. He has spoken in and through Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus... There's no way you can know God because Jesus is the only way to God. With this idea in mind, I want to ask you a question. What is the starting point for your faith in God? For your relationship with God? Is it tradition? Is it your thoughts? Is it the opinions of some religious expert on YouTube? Or is it the Lord Jesus Christ? If you want to know and understand God, then you must begin with Jesus. 
Some of you may be here this morning and honestly and truthfully, you don't know God. Because you have not begun a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. You might be wondering how to worship God. How to love Him. How to know Him. How to serve Him. How to live a life that's pleasing to Him. I'm here to tell you, the only way you can know God is if you know Jesus. Jesus came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for the sins of the world. He was buried in a tomb, and on the third day, he rose again from the grave, never to die again. He offers forgiveness of sin and the hope of eternal life to all who believe in his name. Do you want to know God? It all begins with Jesus. The second truth I want you to note about the person of Jesus is that Jesus is eternal. Not only is Jesus divine, but Jesus is also eternal. We see this in verse 2. Verse 2 says that Jesus was in the beginning with God. Jesus was. John wanted to clarify that Jesus was not one of God's created beings that had a beginning in time. But rather that Jesus has always existed. Psalm chapter 90 verse 2 says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. If Jesus is God, as John stated in verse 1, then the logic that follows is that Jesus has no beginning and no end. In fact, Jesus himself says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 11, that He is the beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. It all begins with Jesus because He has no beginning. Rather, He is the one who wrote the end from the beginning. It is true that Jesus was born of a virgin some 2,000 years ago. We celebrated the incarnation of Christ at Christmas. But that is not when Jesus began. That's when Jesus was born on this earth. Jesus existed long before that. In fact, forever before that with the Father in heaven. Other than making your brain explode, what does that mean for us? Well, have you ever thought about time the concept of time. And I don't mean how it seems to go faster as you get older. Or how you don't ever seem to have enough of it, yet you continually waste it. And that kind of makes us wonder too, doesn't it? But what I mean when I ask, have you ever thought about time, is this. Have you ever thought about how time originated? Where it came from? If there will ever be a time... When time will be no more? Will time be terminal? The whole of human history is wrapped up in the concept of time. We can't really think in terms outside of time. Because we're finite beings. We have all had a beginning. There was a day that we were born. And we will have an end. There's a day that we will die. 
Jesus, on the other hand, is infinite and gives meaning to all of time. If you want to understand the timeline of human history, where things came from, where things are going, then you're going to have to come to Jesus who is the author of time. Sometimes we don't understand why things happen when they happen, but the Lord Jesus does. We might get angry, upset, and frustrated, maybe even depressed, because we don't understand what is taking place in the time in which we live. Sometimes we have those feelings and emotions towards God Himself. How foolish would it be for us as finite creatures who have only known existence within time to accuse the infinite author who exists outside of time of not knowing what He's doing. If you want to know and understand the course of human history, then you must begin with Jesus. History is, after all, His story. It all begins with Him. The emphasis in verse 2 shouldn't be on that phrase, the beginning with God, but it should be on that one verb, He was. He existed. He exists. He will exist. Do you remember when God first appeared to Moses at the burning bush and spoke to him out of the midst of that bush and said, Moses, Pharaoh has enslaved my people and I have heard their cries. You go back to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and you say to Pharaoh, let my people go. Amongst a bunch of other excuses, how he couldn't talk, he didn't know what to say. Moses said, well, God, who am I supposed to say is sending me to the most powerful king of the world and demanding that his slaves go free? You remember what God said to Moses? God said, Moses, you tell Pharaoh that I am has sent you. Powerful statement. Not I am the most powerful king. Not I am the God of this people. Not I am the one who wants this to happen. But simply I am. God needed nothing else. He exists. John is saying the same thing about Jesus here in verse 2. Jesus simply is. He needs nothing else. It all begins with Him. Not only is Jesus divine and eternal, He is also the Creator. This is the third truth I want you to see about the person of Jesus. He is the Creator. We note this in verse 3. We use the verb create and the label creator with all kinds of various subjects in our English language today. But did you know that in the Bible... The Old Testament, that there is only one subject that is ever used with the verb create. You'll never find in the Old Testament, this person created this or that person created that. That singular subject who is tied to the verb create in the Bible is God. Men and women make 
They discover, they fabricate, they synthesize, they build. But God is the only one who can make something out of nothing. Here, John says that Jesus is the creator, that all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. If he is God, as John stated in verse 1, and if he is eternal, as he stated in verse 2, then it only follows that he is the creator. The Apostle Paul expanded this theological point in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, when he wrote these words. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Not in creation, but over all creation. For by him all things were created that are invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Do you remember the creation account in Genesis chapter 1? God made light, God made the heavens and the earth. God made the sun, the moon, the stars. God made the dry land. God made the waters. God made the sky. God made the plants, the animals, all of this stuff. How did God make things in Genesis chapter 1? He spoke. And it was made, right? God said, let there be light. There's light. Let the dry land appear. The dry land appeared. Let the fish swim in the sea. The Fish swam in the sea. God spoke and it happened. Remember what John told us about Jesus? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. God spoke. Creation happened. You know who made this creation take place? The Lord Jesus Christ. He was there at the beginning of time at the beginning of the universe, at the beginning of this world. This truth for us means that if we want to understand this universe and our place in it, then we need to know the creator of it all. And that creator is Jesus. It all begins with Him. You are a created being. Living in creation. If you want to know who you are as a created being. In this creation. You have to know your creator. And it is Jesus himself. We've taken a closer look at the person of Jesus. And discovered why and how everything begins with him. He is divine. He is eternal. He is creator. But now I want to ask you to examine with me the power of Jesus in verses 4 and 5. So that we can continue to understand why and how everything begins with Him. The power of Jesus in verses 4 and 5. John communicated this truth in verse 4. That Jesus bestows life. Jesus bestows life. Verse 4 says, in Him was life. And the life was the light of men. 
It's interesting in the creation account, Genesis chapter 1, that God says, let there be and there was. But when we come to Genesis chapter 2 and God creates man and woman in his own image, he does something a little bit differently. He gathers together the dust of the ground that he has formed and shapes a man. And then the Lord does something unique. He didn't just say, let there be a man, let there be a woman. He breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Incredible to think about. Jesus is the one who bestows life to men and to women. Not just the creator of time, not just the creator of the universe, but the creator of human beings. In him was life. Now, I don't want to develop some really weird, crazy theology. But I do want to put this thought in your mind. God didn't just randomly gather together some dust, wave his hand over it and Oh, that's what a man's going to look like. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, we see a divine communication within the Trinity. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Let him rule and have dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the beasts, and every creeping thing on the earth. And God made man in his own image, male and female. He created them. Jesus gave life to people who were made in his image, like him. I kind of wonder if even before the Lord Jesus took on human flesh, that he had the appearance of humans like we do. And that the Lord Jesus was the one to breathe into Adam's nostrils the breath of life so that he became a living being. That the Lord Jesus was the one to later on take one of Eve's ribs and fashion her in his likeness. Jesus is life. And the life was the light of men. It's interesting that throughout human history, when people make objects to worship, they build them into an image that looks like them or looks like something that they revere or respect. When we come to worship Jesus, we find something altogether different. We don't find Jesus crafting objects so that he can worship. We find Jesus crafting objects so that they can worship him. And not just inanimate objects, but living beings, people in his own image and likeness, Made to bring him honor and glory. Jesus bestows life. And he gives life so that people can worship him as the creator of life. Not only does Jesus bestow life, but Jesus brings light. We note this truth about the power of Jesus in verse 5. Jesus brings light. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. After the Lord crafted Adam and Eve in his own image and likeness, 
Adam and Eve believed the lie of the enemy, the evil one. You remember that God had placed Adam and Eve there in the Garden of Eden and told them that they were free to eat from any of the trees of the garden except from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that they ate of that tree, they would surely die. They ate the fruit from that tree because the devil had tempted Eve. God knows that if you eat this fruit, you'll be like him. The truth is, they were already like him. But when they believed the lie and they ate the fruit that God told them not to eat, something happened. Spiritual darkness came into this world. No longer did Adam and Eve walk in intimate fellowship with their creator. Now they hid from him, scared, embarrassed, ashamed, because they were exposed. They went into the darkness instead of coming into the light. The Lord Jesus, the divine God, author of time, creator of the world, bestower of life to human beings, took on human flesh so that he could shine the light of God's truth into this world filled with darkness, wickedness, sin, and evil. And this light has shone into the darkness Something interesting has happened as a result. The New King James Version says that the darkness did not comprehend it. Other translations say that the darkness did not overpower or overcome it. There's a couple of thoughts, I think, that are meant by this word that John used. And maybe this will help illustrate his point. Have any of you ever been in a pitch black place? I mean, it's dark. You can't see. Perhaps you've gone on a cave tour before and they've shut the lights off on the walkway through the cave just so you can experience what darkness is like. And maybe you come up out of that cave tour and that light just it almost hurts your eyes. You're just not used to it. Or maybe when you wake up in the morning after having your eyes closed all night long, and one of your kids walks into the bedroom and flips on the light switch. You go, oh, please turn that off. It hurts because you've been in the darkness. And it's almost like you, even though the light is there so that you can see, you can't see because it's so bright and you've been in such darkness. John was perhaps communicating this truth spiritually. People had been living in darkness and sin and wickedness and evil for so long that when Jesus finally did come in his glory and his radiance, it was really almost like they, they couldn't even see or behold him. And this is why John and others would go on to write about Jesus and testify about Jesus and talk about Jesus because they wanted people to see that Jesus is the light who hadn't come to blind them, but who had come to open their eyes because they were living in blindness. The other thought is this, that light always overpowers the darkness. Darkness doesn't overpower the light. I mean, think about this. The lights are on in here in this building. Is there a darkness switch that we can flip on and all of a sudden the darkness overtakes the light? No. We can flip the light switch off and the light goes out. 
But light always overpowers and outshines the darkness. And this is what John is communicating to the readers of his book. That Jesus has come as the light and the light always overpowers the darkness. There is no way that anyone or anything is going to be able to thwart the light of truth in Jesus Christ. It all begins with Him. When the light has come on, the light will remain on. It all begins with Jesus. So I want to ask you this question. If it all begins with Jesus, will you begin with Jesus? Will you start right there? I mean, some of you are here this morning and you haven't begun with Jesus. You don't really know who God is. You can't worship Him because you don't know Him. You think that there's numerous ways to God. There's not. There's only one way. It's through Jesus. And until you go through Jesus, you're not going to know who God is. And maybe here this morning, you need to commit to discovering who Jesus is. So that you can have a real relationship with God. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you, just, you don't understand why things have happened. What's going on in this world? Jesus is the author of time and the creator of the universe. I still have questions about things I don't understand. But I know this much. Jesus knows everything that I don't understand because he made it all. And instead of blaming him for the things that have happened in life and the things that are going on in this world, like God is up there somewhere and doesn't care or can't stop it, would you come to the point of trusting that he knows exactly what he's doing? Maybe you're here this morning. And in a very personal way, you don't understand what's happening to you in life. You don't know who you are or why God made you or what on earth you're here for. Your purpose begins with Jesus because he's the one who gave life to you in the first place. I mean, we need to know this. Everybody needs to know this. There are people who don't know if they're born a man or a woman right now because they don't know that God created man and woman in His image and in His likeness. Male and female, He created them. If you want to know who you are, you've got to know who made you. It's Jesus. There are people who are living their life and they don't even know what they're doing or why they're doing it. They wake up in the morning and go to work and come back home at night and eat supper and close their eyes and lay down in bed and think, man, I hope that there is more to it than this. And there is. There is more to life than just being born, spending a few years here on earth and dying. Life is found in knowing Jesus Christ. You were made for a personal relationship with Him. And until you come to know Him, life's not going to make sense to you. There are some of you who are here, and you're in the darkness. 
Maybe you even call yourself a Christian, a believer in Jesus. He's given you life. He's the reason for your life. But instead of living in the light of his truth, you've gone back to walking in dark old habits and dark old places that Jesus has called you out of. Maybe this morning, the beginning of 2023, you need to begin anew and afresh with Jesus. You need to start right here and right now. And you need to say, you know what, Lord? I'm not going to listen to the opinions and perspectives of people and think that that is the truth by which I need to live. I'm going to start with your word that testifies about your son Jesus and about how you want me to live. I'm not going to spend my time doing just what I want to do. I'm going to spend my time, Lord, doing what you want me to do. Because you are the one who shines light in the darkness and shows me the way to go in life. As we've talked about the person and power of Jesus today, I trust that the Lord has spoken to your heart. Maybe you're here this morning and you've not ever begun with Jesus. Or maybe you need to begin anew and fresh with Jesus this year. Would you simply respond to God as he's spoken to your heart today?